Yay. Okay, we're good. Did okay. Anne, did Anne make it? Yeah, Anne's here. Did I? Okay. Her icon is up. <laughs> Just checking. Check, check, check. Everyone hear no, me? You sound am great. I, am I breathing too loud? Good. Not, yes, we can hear you. I don't hear any breathing. Not so far, seeing. so good. Yeah. So, oh, so that was my sister, I by the way. She is here to listen and watch. Yes, and hijack your uh, Facebook, apparently. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. She she loves to do that. Yeah, I think I saw a hijack not very long ago. So no, Yes, not very long ago. Oh, little, little sister? Yes, she's sitting on my bed, giggling because she got hold of my Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. Yes, I um, it open. I'm, I'm waving because she can't see me. Yeah, it was very good, very funny. <laughs> she's waving back, although that. you can't see her. No, you won't be doing that again, will you? I haven't talked to you all in ages. I know. Say hi now. Now. Hi, hi now. Wow, we have quite the delay going on there. Okay, <laughs> but you all were pretty well, close. Maybe, Am I delayed? I know, I, you all were several seconds before you said. I know. I, oh, really? Oh, okay. well, okay. I, I answered almost immediately, and then everyone else answered a couple seconds after. Is that how it goes? Okay, I'm going to say it again, and you Hello? will answer when you hear me. Ready? Say hi now. One, okay. Two, three. Now. Hi. hi now. So, four seconds, but you all answered about the Sorry, same time. Are we going on three, on three or after three? Oh, you are oh, no, you were kind of like, <laughs> oh, not count. this uh, conversation uh, again. <laughs> <laughs> so we just need to be aware that we're on a slight delay and that if we're stepping on each other, um, stop and we'll say, okay, you speak and then you speak. And that way we the editing won't be too bad. Please now, is that uh, stop, look and listen? Is that stop, drop and roll? Is that stop, hammer time? I like the hammer was, time. Yeah. It was good for a while. Yeah, but so was um, never going to give you up. All of five, se- all of five seconds. Part. <laughs> I think she's talking about the lag. Yeah, it's all right. You can always quote the name of a park here in Pittsburgh and just say, oh, frick. There you go. There's a there's a big sign on the fence. It says the Frick Pittsburgh. Someday I'm going to find out. Uh, someday I'm going to get four letters that look like those letters in that size. W H A T. Spray paint them gold. Hang them on the fence and take a picture. <laughs> yeah. Cool. What the Frick Pittsburgh? There is a King of Prussia Pittsburgh. Or Pennsylvania, I mean. Yes, there is. It has it has a very large, famous mall, and Crystal just walked past my door with two cats under her arm, probably <laughs> getting them away from the enormous, scary dog. We have just adopted a very large dog. Doggies. Oh, no, she's trying to eat her lunch, and the cats are attempting to eat her lunch. Ah. Uh, uh, yeah, been there. And I apologize, Anne. I just now saw your thing that said you needed a little longer before I called you. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. It just means that I haven't heard the last 20 minutes of podcast number three, and I did not get to four and five. I do apologize. I've been working, and it's been insane. And I thought yeah. that today I would be done with my work assignment, and it turns out they wanted to uh, extend me, keep me on longer. So I'm actually not done, which is huh. yay for my bank balance and boo for my writing. Yeah. Huzzah. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, yes, my, my sister is saying that I had to take her places today, which I did, but I don't really mind that. That's cool. Yeah, well, I've, I've got them all downloaded to my laptop, and so Windows most generously shows me how long they are, and all five together are like 22 hours plus. Yeah, yep. so I don't want to talk about how long they were before editing. <laughs> I can only <laughs> imagine. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Given that I was told the colored pencil discussion was an hour, was a uh, half an hour at least. 
we the coloured pencil discussion. Days. Let's not go Wait. into the coloured pencil discussion. Okay. <laughs> okay let's oh, not. come on. That was let good. How about we start I had, I had oh, actually shit. had a couple of yes. points that I came yes, up actually, with uh, wait, listening wait, 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 wait. to three. We, we actually have to start the podcast. And then okay. we can okay. yeah. bombard each other with questions. That will be fun. So, for Friday, October 26th, this is the Anne interview. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. Hey, Ronnie, the next time you're Previously on Potterfic Weekly. Where would you like to start, Sue? <laughs> well, let's start at the beginning. That would be awesome. My resolutions for this Potterfic Weekly season is not to snort. Welcome to Potterfic Whatever. Oh, Scott. Did we, did we lose Scott? <laughs> okay, what did I miss? My Am I surrounded by Hufflepuffs? You yes, are. you are. Yes, you are. Apparently, <laughs> I'm Jen, and I don't know my Alphabet. <laughs> No, she's the poster child for our podcast. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need more meds. My meds have kicked in, I can tell. Sure. <laughs> I think that's two. That could possibly be three. Moving right along. I felt like a rock star. Just really big knickers. Pants are your underpants. Not oh. Browsers. Potterfic Weekly, defining strange terms for your edification. <laughs> but I was planning on getting ravished anytime soon. Really, honestly. <laughs> Saxon Snorkax, two of my favorite subjects. I love Snape. You are quite possibly clinically insane. In the nicest sense of the word, of course. <laughs> we'll always laugh before the end. Potterfic Weekly. Where the story never ends. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the author interview for Be Careful with Andy Walsh. I'm Sue. I'm Kat. And the peons have no idea what to do. <laughs> we do, but I think we're trying to figure out who wants to go first. Well, hey, I'll, your... I'll go to the end. Okay. So Mooney, go. I'm Mooney. Phil, go. I'm not a cat. I'm Phil. <laughs> and Anne gets to go last because she's the author. And I am Anne B. Walsh, and I have an annoying sister sitting next to me. Hello. And she Hello. is. Oh, she's fun. She hijacks your Facebook and everything. Yes, uh, her name is Tony. Hi, Tony. Uh-huh. Only when you want to be. And can she hear us? Yes, she can hear you. I've got you on the speakers. And the roommate is sticking her head in the room, shaking her head, going, No, she's not adorable. She's crazy. Lies. Is, is there any truth to the rumor that Abigail Beauvoir is based heavily on Tony? Yes, and uh, Megan Black is also based heavily on Tony. Every person who has read the Dangerverse and then met my sister has said, Oh, now I see where Megan comes from. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I've seen the photographs. She looks more like Abby than, than Megan. Well, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like the peanut gallery in the back. It's fun. Why is it peanuts? I don't know. Peanuts sat on a railway track. Sorry, you got me started. I guess so you can dig out the original recording of that and splice it in. There you go. I was actually just listening to it. Instead of listening to our podcast to get questions, I went back and listened to the last author interview that Anne did. 
Oh no! Oh, so yeah, that's I, what I've been listening. I, I listened to. to that a couple of weeks ago. Last week, yeah. Yes. I went back and reviewed the. Oh, the I'm in trouble now. The danger episode. Yeah, well, you at least we haven't duct taped you, get you get to the desk. Yeah, we haven't duct taped you to the I'm, desk. But I'm on record. How can I not get caught? Well, <laughs> point. Yeah, I, I should record. tell you, we are recording. The edited. I know. I know. Uh, well, actually, it was really kind of nice because they didn't ask you any of the normal questions, so I, I was able. I have questions that I can ask that won't be repeats. There are normal questions? Something well, about this is normal? Yeah, on occasion. It happens. Okay. So does anybody want to go first? Or are we going to go back to the colored pencil discussion? No! Well, I, I had I had a couple points that I heard in uh, the latest podcast I was listening to, which was number three. Okay. Um, go for it. I can go find me. your reactions. Hold on. No, I've, I've, I've got the chat window up. Let's see here. Okay. Um, at one point, um, people were criticizing the fact that um, the Weasleys and Neville are openly discussing the note that Ron sent them. There are no names ever given, so they're just oh, yes. saying, it's nice that your brother wrote to us, and people are saying, well, won't the Death Eaters notice that they're talking about it? They would notice more if they were whispering, if they were being furtive, if they're just openly discussing on the train platform that one of Ginny's brothers, of whom she has a great many, sent a letter, and that it's it's nice that he thought to write to us and tell us that his friends are okay. And remember, at this point, Ron is still believed to be at home sick. Mm-hmm. So the assumption no. from the Death Eaters will be that it's one of the other multiple Weasley brothers who's finally I decided Scott to write called that one. I thought Scott caught that one. He, he, he suggested they might just claim it was Charlie or whoever. Yes, I believe yeah, he did. All they, all they yeah. ever said was, um, look, here's a note my brother sent. No name. Mm-hmm. That makes so, sense. Yeah, yes, yes, they might have been more furtive about it, but people notice when you're furtive. People don't tend to notice when you're standing on the train platform having a quick conversation. Oh, yeah. Particularly in the Um, middle of hundreds of other people having quick conversations. Yeah. Little later on, people were uh, criticizing Snape for not yet having put all the pieces together and realizing that uh, Cecilia is a real person and not a dream. Consider how strong an emotional block Severus Snape has against anything ever being good for him. That's true. Consider how much he has invested in the fact that his life must suck. Uh. And also, you have to have the preconception uh, that there right. are indeed parallel universes from one of which this lady might originate. If the, that is not Hello, a concept Mooney. that you, you were back. thinking of in the first place, then pun. My, my, my point was merely that, uh, you know, you don't really commonly have reoccurring dreams for 20 years without there being some kind of, hmm, I wonder if this is real. I take your point, but at true. The same but he's time, he's he's so he's criticism. very strongly internalized this as I made the as I made this up. So it's going to take really strong proof to break both his belief and his kind of emotional block on the subject. Yeah, I can see I that. I can understand that. Yeah, well, I can imagine it as as kind mm-hmm. of the say if you were an author and you were writing a long continuing series, then you would have the characters in your head. Well, say you were having that, but without writing it down. I do have. So you might just have life. a continuing story in in your head that you visit in your dreams. Well, okay, proven point. But yeah, it's so it's not it's not that he was being stupid. It was just that he he didn't have anything to hang on, hang the idea that this might be real onto. It was, it's it's like how could it be real? Mm-hmm. Well, and like Anne said, he is very invested in the my life sucks and my life is always going to suck. And so yeah, I a, deserve I deserve for my life to suck. Right. right. Now I, you're gonna make me cry. 
I did this. Like, got over it. Because you're a nice person <laughs> and you feel sorry for him. Mm-hmm. He got better. Better yeah. you. He did get better and got married. He had to spend yeah. a new first. I am I am amused that no one caught that in uh, in the chapter where Ron comes back. He says to Hermione, uh, referring to Draco, better. "He turned me into you. I got better." <laughs> <laughs> I spotted that. Oh, I'm waving my hand yes, like a Hermione. Well yes. Yeah, there there are a lot of things that I will say that there are a lot of things within Be Careful that I spotted, but I might not comment on because mm-hmm. then we'd be there for twelve hours instead of yes. six. <laughs> I, I do so I do are- like to uh put a lot of references in my work, but the way I feel about it is if it is if it is intrusive, if it breaks you out of the story to not get it, then I shouldn't put it in and I try to make it all blend in and flow. So even if you don't get some of it, if you get a little feeling like, huh, maybe I missed something, as long as you can keep going without being broken out and having to stop and think about it, then I've done my job. Kind of like Draco well. with the um, Draco with the, the two doors down and turn right reference. Yeah, it's like, I it's might like, be missing something. Hey, yeah. Never yeah. mind. Carry on. I'll find it. Mm-hmm. So I guess I uh, is that. Do you have any more points that you wanted to? No, about? that that was that was my big two. Please fire away. Okay. I guess my big question is because I know I was really a little harsh on the harsh side of, of you on this, but harsh? why did you write you? a little harsh? bit of? I was a little bit harsh, um, but I, why did you write an offshoot of Dangerverse rather than writing something from complete scratch, starting completely over with new characters and everything? Because I, I seem it's to have not. this uh, mental block against starting big universes all brand new, and uh, as Dangerverse okay. itself, I thought this was going to be a 10 chapter fluff fic. I really need to stop doing that. <laughs> so I figured, you really I figured that, that I would just, you know, stay with stay with what I knew and, you know, play with this a little. And over about two years, it sort of ballooned. I, I have other stories about ballooning. One of them um, no, involves... Really? Yeah, one, well, one of them involves my mother. And uh, no, that's uh. not as dirty as you're all thinking it is. <laughs> No. Oh, is this your mother who gives you the invaluable advice about writing, which you then proceed to dislike? Um... Well, yes. This is this is the mother yeah. whose invaluable advice about writing was: "This world sucks. You should abandon it immediately." I like that. Oh, yeah. yes. I, I got really, really angry. I decided that I would write something that was so good she would have to like it. That is now available as a novel. Yes. It is very Yay. good, I might add. Oh, thank you. I have to See, buy I, it. I, I don't have money. Right I now. like all of your stuff, but that's just It's me. actually, I've, I've well, put it out me. as a giveaway on a website called Library Thing. So mm-hmm. if you go and search for it, I'm doing a, uh, I'm doing a giveaway. So you, I, I, bet you can, uh, I bet you can sign up for a copy there. So I don't need okay. to because I've, I've got mine in my hands right now. Yes, you were one of my first autograph sales, and thank you. I'm trying to get my wife to read it, but she's got several she's working on. Mm She has read read one chapter of Harry Potter. We went, uh, was it last weekend, the weekend before? My mother uh, was making her bid for Grandma of the Year. Uh, I I sold this to so many people, I can't remember who who I told it to. She took myself and my sister and our families to the Leavesden Studios, the Warner Brothers studio, where they mm. film Harry Potter. Mm. And cool. it was just awesome. So between my dad mm. and me and my sister and her three kids, um, it, it was a contest as to who was the bigger fan. And um, between my wife, my wife and my brother-in-law, it was like, who's bored quickest? Aww. Yeah. And Tony is sitting is, next to me going, sad. why, why do I never get to do these things? 
world. So. <laughs> yes, her her uh, her show choir is going to uh, Universal next next spring in in April. Yeah, I don't get to they're go going to they're going down it to was amazing. Her. visiting world. So I much hate, I hate all. Oh, of don't you, don't, don't hate. Don't don't hate her. No, She's it's, I mean, it, it, in some ways it serves me right because when the expo came around to Chicago, I went to it four times. So <laughs> it's I not like I have experienced a lack of Harry Potter. Our butter beer is apparently much much better than yours. Uh, we'll have it is really 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 nice. The only thing I would have preferred it was it, it was warm because they serve it. There's a, you you go through a, a whole load of, of stuff and then you go outside. Where they have, they've got the night bus, they've got um, the um, Weasley's car, they've got Hagrid's motorcycle, they've got number four Privet Drive with number three next to it, half of number three next to it, literally half. <laughs> it's just the front <laughs> half of the of the, the house, and then there's just totally a blank. Didn't need the back and half. If you no. go around the side, you can see where it stops, and there's just a blank brick wall behind. Um, but apparently, it's not the original number four because Rupert Grint nicked it, so they had to make a copy. And then next to <laughs> how next did you to that, steal a house? I think it's Never just the number four. No, just just the number. Uh, and next oh, to that is oh, oh, oh. the pot, the Potter's cottage from Godric's Hollow, with the hole in the roof and and everything. And that outside see courtyard you. is where they they serve the butter beer, and it's the only place they serve the butter beer. And you're not allowed to take it into the the, the next bit because obviously spillages and, and stuff. Um, so and it was it was biting cold. There was a wind coming in. It's built on an old aerodrome, so of course it's flat. No buildings for uh, about a mile. A, yes, and it, nothing nothing to block the wind, it, and here it comes. Yeah, aerodrome. It's it's an an archaic English term for airport. Small small airport. Oh, okay. At least leaves an aerodrome. In other words, very very uh, large flat space. Right. Yes. Very large ah, windy flat spaces. Yes, okay. yes, large flat spaces. I'm not used to that at all. I'm from the prairie states. I'm actually a little bit uh, unused to that myself. I'm Well, I, I live in one of the only major American cities built entirely on hilly ground. There you go. Yes. It is not a death sentence. It just means you learn how to drive. And all the people in San Francisco just sneer at you. Right. True enough. They've got they've got bigger ones than we do. They also have earthquakes. I'm just as happy that the only earthquakes we have around here are of the sort that you say, is that a truck going by or is that a cat under my chair? The last time we had an earthquake, the only way I knew was that Sesame was flattened out against the floor with this save me expression on her face. I was, I was picking her up and I was like, what in the world is wrong with you? And then I look at my computer and Facebook is lighting up. Did you feel that? It was an earthquake. Is everybody okay? <laughs> uh, we don't get many of those in, in the UK. Mostly, most of the, the seismic disturbances we get here in the UK are actually rock concerts. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no pun intended. That's true. There was there was um, a couple of the guys from Madness were on a sort of this late late evening talk show the other night, and they said they were giving a concert in Edinburgh, and the Glasgow Seismic Centre were ringing them up and said, you do realise you are registering on our instruments. And your instruments are registering on our instruments. And I, I studied, Glas I studied Glasgow Glasgow to Edinburgh. College, so we actually, one day when I was in college, in one of my geology classes, one of the other professors who was not teaching our class came running into the room very excited and said, something just happened in Indonesia. And we're all looking at him and he's like, I saw it on the seismometer. Something must have just happened in Indonesia because of the oh, the, the peak of the wave and how long it took to oh. get here. So somebody runs around the corner to the computer lab and is like, yeah, there was just a huge earthquake in Indonesia. 
and yes, the, the seismic waves do wow. in fact come all the way around the world to Western Pennsylvania to register on the seismometer in the basement of the building we affectionately called the morgue. Nice. Goodness. Very nice. Well, that is what it used to be. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we had we had the morgue at the factory away, and course. the tower with the cow. I'm not even going to ask about the cow. <laughs> is that the one? Uh, that was that the cow? Was, I I, was expelled from my college. Don't ask about the cow. Go away. <laughs> I'm just going to steer us right back on track and just ignore yes. that bloodless whole point. Mm-hmm. Well, I see. So, I see. So, I see. So, I see so, I'm back on track right? from that. Is, is is that the tower? Is that the tower they dropped the cow off, which you modelled Aberforth's pinata on? See, I can get well, back on track. Well, it is the tower that, according to legend, William McKinley, who later became president of the U.S., led a cow up into, and also according to legend, cows cannot go downstairs. Right. So they did; they could get it down. Mm. Yes, and everyone had lots of hamburgers. Now, it, it is a legend. Oh. We have no proof of it, but we also have no proof that it didn't happen. So. You, you will you will notice you will notice that uh, in my writing there is the occasional yeah, recurring theme that every every so often a tower with the cow in it comes up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Professor Umbridge well, we is on the stones. astronomy tower and she can't get down and she's, she's mooing. <laughs> we just had Sterling Moss driving cars into the dining hall. Which is different. So yeah, because be careful is 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 so centered around Draco and and altering his fate, I guess you could say. Uh, what do you think of where Draco ended up in canon versus, like, why did you change his path? Because in canon, it, it seems like a dead end. He's just repeating the mistakes that were previously made. I mean, as as much as you even know, because all, all you see is... That he's getting a little fat, losing his hair, he's married, and he has a kid who looks like him. That And has given this kid a truly hideous name. That is the sum total of what you know about how Draco Malfoy turned out. Mm-hmm. But he nodded to Harry, and so it's better than what he, he nodded, he nodded to Harry. Malfoy he nodded had. to all kinds of people. You, oh, hello. Sorry, um, our enormous dog named Bruce has just come in to join, join the conversation. He is a cane corso, an Italian mastiff. Hello, Think Fang from the movies. <laughs> he is he's eye, very handsome and very loving. The cats that we have brought home the spawn of Satan. Of course they do. <laughs> well, he, he, he weighs he's ten lovely. times what they do, so one one cannot be surprised. And he drools. There, there he is drools. that. He's a mastiff. They all drool. Yeah, I'm lucky with mine because yeah. she has enough of a mix in her that she does not drool, which is very nice. He doesn't drool terribly. Well, he's, I, he's, a, he's a little bit slobbery, but he's not awful. He's not the same person. I have a, a couple of questions about the ending. If it's if it's not too early to insert those, okay. Is that all right? <laughs> I don't think so because um, right, well, anybody um, who this will probably have gone through the, the whole very podcast, end, which is farther than I've got. Good, good. <laughs> yeah, my well, my cues are the Elder Wand and Draco's arm. Uh, yeah, because okay. first of all, the, the elder one part of uh, part of, of Draco's deception is that he tricks Voldemort into thinking that Snape has given him a copy of the elder wand and that the real one was hidden behind the portrait in Dumbledore's study. So, what well, I'm not sure, I'm the thing, this one, I'm pretty sure that that you had that you had a, a definite way around that they were, but. How if you you Sammy, hey, you've got the one that Voldemort's holding and the one that Draco's holding, which one of them was the actual elder one, and how would Voldemort not actually realize? 
if it was if he was holding the wrong one or if he was given the wrong one. Well, think about uh, Canon. He's asking Snape, why doesn't it work for me? And his his answer okay. in Canon was it doesn't work for me because I haven't killed the last person who killed the bearer of it. In this case, Draco's answer and th- it is true. Voldemort is holding at that moment a copy But the whole play with the Elder Wands was designed by Dumbledore, who is something of a sneaky jerk. It was designed as a way to make sure that Voldemort would kill Snape while Draco was watching. Mm -hmm. To allow the whole uh, plot with the soul flask to to come into effect. So how how did he know about the soul flask? That was the entire point. He didn't immediately, but he was. it was kind of an unintended consequence. His original thought was that he wanted to keep the Elder Wand away from Voldemort, and then later he realized, no, wait, because the mastery of it passed the way it did. If I can instead make Harry the master of it and get Voldemort to hold it, that's better. So then when he right. began to learn more about the other world, he uh, he went to kind of the second story plan on that one. Yeah, I like. So his original plan was for Voldemort. Go ahead, Phil. So his original plan was for Voldemort to attempt attempt to to, to combat Harry with a copy of the Elder Wand. Uh, what give Harry the real Elder Wand, or uh, what was the original before he changed his mind, or is that? I believe that yes, the the, the original plan was to get Harry the Elder Wand and yeah, and get him the mastery of it as well, so that he could defeat Voldemort with it. Right. But I like your way of, of, of uh, turning it down. My other question is what on earth happened to Draco's arm? Because he's being held by Lucius by robes and prosthesis. Ron cuts the robes. Hermione detaches the prosthesis. Um, Draco stumbles away, leaving Lucius holding robes and prosthesis and his AK by Voldemort. Draco you know, I wonder is... what was going to head at that moment. <laughs> like, hell am I holding? Oh crap, green spell. Bud. Not his bum from that angle, which is good. Um, Draco has Luna flung at him, who then casts the, well, I can't remember the, the precise Great spell, the sleep charm on him to transport him. When he arrives in the other world, after some unspecified delay, just to make sure he's despairing nicely, he has both hands because he puts both hands on the orb to both see what on earth happened, find out he's been tricked, and trigger the massive warrior Patronus thing. How Remember does his when, when he gave Hermione her hand back, he mentioned he had another one in the other world waiting for him. Luna went to get it and uh, attached it for him while he was knocked out. Uh, but his entire arm was taken off and was left in in Lucius, so he had a spare arm. Yes. Ah, oh, so I, 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 always, I, yeah, he always knew that he was going to give Hermione a part of it, so he had to he right. had to get a second one because obviously the first one would be kind of halfway gone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, and uh, my sister my, is sitting here making the arc turtle, so no, stop that. He's not going to be a velociraptor. The other thing that that occurred to me is if he. He lost his hand from the wrist down. Where was the dark mark that he could claim that that, that removed it? Is it? It must have been fairly low down on on his forearm for that to to take. I'm slightly I'm, confused. I'm thinking that uh, he reshaped what was left of the arm somewhat so that he could claim that the dark mark was also gone. Right. Or I thought okay, he was well, that's, that's his entire arm. 
No, when he uh, presented himself to Voldemort in the Shrieking Shack, he had the the arm, the le- the prosthesis down to the wrist where he had cut off the hands to give to Hermione, and he made right, he I sent he some just... sort of sent mental command to it to turn it red so that it looked like it had been burned, and then Hermione conjured bandages bandages round it. So it wasn't his stump yeah, I thought that he had just... the bandages round; it was the prosthetic stump. Right. I yes. thought he just turned so, it off and, uh, and say, Snape off my dark mark. He does yeah, say that. so it's what? yeah, it looks it looks as though Snape has burned him with fiend fire and removed his hand, kind of incidentally, to burning the dark mark off him. All right, okay. okay. So this is what I like about this: that you could ask questions like this and you get a, a, an answer that makes sense. At least I try <laughs> most of the time. That's good. Oh yeah. Some well, authors get huffy if you ask them questions about their work. It's like you're implying how how dare you imply that my work's not perfect. As opposed to, well, I actually read your work, and I thought it was really interesting, and I'd like to know how it worked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I try like to think things out. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes authors don't think about it, and they're stumped by a question. But usually, if you can ask them, and they have an answer, then they're really glad to be able to give it. I, I can see that, unless they're really insecure about their work, they shouldn't worry about questions. Yes, yeah. well... uh I've I've actually pissed off a fairly famous author twice. Um, it was only twice. She quit coming to the con after twice. Sorry, Crystal's in the other room yelling three times when it was, in fact, only twice. But I think there's a reason that the most famous author who used to come to the Pittsburgh Sci-Fi Con does not do so anymore. And I'm really hoping it's not me. <laughs> Are you telling oh. us that there's a restraining order out against you? No, oh, nothing, not no, nothing nearly so uh, <laughs> concrete. It was just that I accidentally either asked question, asked a question, or brought up a point in two consecutive years that I guess hit her in a raw spot. Because at in one in one year I brought up you know chronological errors. One fantasy series I really enjoy and continue to enjoy, but there's this enormous chronological error right in the middle of it. Like in an early book of the series covering that portion, the author says event A caused event B. In another book covering that area of time from a different angle, written 20 years later, suddenly event B causes event A. Ah, yeah, that could mm. be a problem. All that that happens all I can, the time. I can, you just uh, say, I can elucidate say, well, the series and author if you like, but that's okay. okay. Well, it happens all the time. The, the first time you say, "Well, this person saw it," and from their point of view, this uh, this happened. But then, twenty years when I rewrote it, it was from the point of view of a, a different person, and different characters have different points of view. I this, like this to... seriously can't be points of view. This this is two discrete actual events that happened. And she's a, the author uh-huh. has actually reversed the chronology of these two events in the in the different books covering this time period. And there, there's also a couple major like there, there's this big span of time missing. But the, the series hangs together emotionally, so I continue to read it because it's good. But there there's some definite chronological issues. And then the year later, right. I got one of the authors mad because I brought up. Uh, Invented languages, and I guess she has very strong feelings about that. So, goodness, you're three I, for I, three. I, I don't go to that con anymore. Well, I can understand. I am, well, however, like going a to a con in Virginia of... in February. I've been asked to speak, so I'm very excited. So Yay. Congratulations! It is a good way of weeding out authors who can't stand having complicated questions asked about their, their work, though, which I, I think, frankly, if they can't stand a little bit of, of questioning, then they shouldn't be there. Mm. 
Well, thank goodness Joe doesn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, uh, if, if, only, if only so many of her answers didn't begin with the famous words, oh, maths. <laughs> <laughs> She's only done that like two yes. or three times. I am totally I know, but there's um, there's a reason there's a reason I have a calendar on my bookmarks in my browser and, and a moon phase calendar and other yep, like yep. important things. Because if you if you notice I really, really try if I'm quoting a date or a moon phase or something along those lines, I really try to look it up and make sure it really was that day of the week and that phase of the moon. Because yep, yep. Yeah, because I otherwise, think, as Tony just said, other people will. I think all, yeah. all authors who deal with Remus Lupin have some kind of list or chart of the moon and when it happens on what calendar date within the timeline of Harry Potter. Yeah. I've got a site bookmarked. I yep. have them had written down on a page in, in what I call the Bible, so... But it's not the actual I actually, level. I, I actually um there's there's a uh, site I think the army uses it for uh, like astronomical um stuff. It, mm. It's it's in some way affiliated with the government, and it gives you moon phases for really a very wide range of dates, which is good because at one point I did in fact have to look up moon phases for 1786. Goodness, wow. that's impressive. You would think that, you know, Ooh. that far back, nobody would even call you on it, but... People, well, people have called people happened. on the night Recently, sky they're... of 1912 and Titanic, so yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing I was reading recently was calling out the Mary Grandpre illustrations in, well, I suppose all of you would have those editions of the books. Sometimes uh, she Goblet? shows completely the wrong phase of the moon. Mm. Oh, I can't remember which, but certainly I think the chapter in Azkaban where Remus turns into a werewolf... And the chapter illustration shows a werewolf with a quarter moon or something in the sky. Well, crescent moon is more iconic, I guess. It it looks better, but the thing about werewolves is well, there there's a whole there's a whole section on TV tropes entitled "Our Werewolves Are Different" because that's mm-hmm. one of the most widely ranging differences. And I think I can probably tell you just on on this werewolf subject where the whole um, disagreement with some fanfic authors, including me and Joe, comes from about werewolves having children. In Chamber of Secrets, Tom Riddle claims that Hagrid was keeping werewolf oh, yes. cubs in a box under his bed. Joe later mm-hmm. told us there's no such thing as werewolf cubs. Certain fan writers, including me, took this as werewolves can't have children. Mm. Right. But she actually when in fact, was... all it means is if werewolves yeah. have children, they're normal human babies. Mm-hmm. Well, no, not unless they get called cubs. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> not unless there's some really, really lousy timing on that birth. Yeah. That would just be bad. Yes. Yeah, that, no, yeah, that would bring not, up a whole another few issues, which I don't think we need to get into. <laughs> no, yeah. we do not. They're not many, we do not. They're not many female werewolves in, the, in, in Harry Potter. More, no. No. We don't need more plot bunnies. <laughs> yeah, really don't, don't need plot bunnies as close to Nano, thank you. No more plot bunnies! No! Uh, and where did this story come from? From Be careful. From the same place most of my stories come from, my extremely strange brain. <laughs> but uh, seriously, I... Yes, haha. I uh, I had a deal with my younger siblings, including the one sitting next to me, for uh, for the last two Harry Potter books. The ones who went to the midnight parties with me. When we got home, I would read them aloud the first chapter of the book. Then they were to go to bed, and I was I would finish the book. I read like crazy, but um, 
So for for book six, I just took the older of my brothers to the midnight release party. He was young Hagrid with young Aragog in a box. It nice. uh, went over very well. But for um, book seven, I went with both that brother and with Tony here. Um, who did you go as? Yes, she, she went as Hermione. I went as Tonks. It was a very fun night. So when we got home, I read them the first chapter of Deathly Hallows, which is the one set at Malfoy Manor with lots of creepy stuff. Mm -hmm. Of course, by then I was deep Mm -hmm. into Dangerverse, so the whole line about, oh, Draco, will you babysit the cubs about made us all fall off our chairs. But you get to you get to that last moment when Charity Burbage is dead and Nagini's climbing on the table and Draco falls off his chair. And I'm sitting there going, hold it, this could be a major moment for him. <laughs> this is a this is a terrible moment in his life. This is probably the one time in his life that his barriers would be broken down enough that he would admit he needs help that he would be able to admit this and accept it. Because sometimes in your life, you get so locked into a bad place that you have to hit bottom before you can start going back up. Mm-hmm. Which is very mm-hmm. true. And there goes Mooney again. Yep. And I'm sitting here thinking, that's not just, not just a plot bunny, that's a ravening, vicious beast of a plot bunny. <laughs> very much so, yes. But uh, that's that's why I tried to keep it, you know, light and silly and fluffy. And yeah, it never works out that way. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I I think the 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 way that you led into it, light and, and fluffy, oh, yeah. and and introduced the dark undertones. I think that really worked because the, the the whole contrast of it that this was they were trying desperately to be happy, and in order, as we found out, in order to defend against the Dementor invasion, and and so that encouraged Draco to think that it was just when Draco arrives in in the other world, um, and it, it it is light and fluffy, and we discover that it is on purpose. That's the bit that it encourages him to think that it is a dream, and that's so Cecilia in, in it also encourages that to think he's a dream, so that he's less defensive and more accepting. And and he gets pulled into it gradually, whereas just being dropped straight in saying, oh, yeah, well, it looks really light and fluffy, but actually there's a dreadful Dementor invasion and everything's bad. And we think you're the child of prophecy who can help us. He'd be like, bye. Yeah, <laughs> just be, like, oh, no, not interested in this. And I think that yeah, it's also... I've seen what that- this did to Harry Potter. I'm not having any of that. I think that's also like what life is like. Like you meet new people and it's light and fluffy with the relationship at first and then you get into the deeper, sometimes darker stuff. And you can't you it's very rare that you meet someone who's, you know, immediately all this angst just, you know, vomiting angst at you and then most if you of the do, time you it's tend like, to run the other way. Yeah. Yes. Particularly at at, at the this kind of juncture that, that Draco is at, that he's escaping from a world that is dark and angsty and and, and everything. He's not going to go to this world, discover it's dark and angsty. Oh, okay, well, maybe their angst is better than my angst. So, okay, I'll hang around here. My angst better than your (laughs) angst. My angst better than yours. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Oh, boy. uh, Has anyone seen the new series go on? No, no one's Mm -hmm. seen go on. No. Uh, There's, uh, it's, it's about, it's, it's it's a comedy about someone whose wife was killed, and he's going to this these grief counseling, and and he's kind of he brings up the point of, well, you it know, all of us in the circle know that what she said it doesn't sound it doesn't Hello? sound comic. 
it's it, it it's actually pretty funny, but he's he's going to grief group or whatever, and he is sitting in a circle and saying, "Well, you know, all of us inside are thinking that my grief is worse than the guy next to me who's talking right now." So, mm-hmm. yeah, he nice does like a bracket for it and a playoff. Yes, and everybody. Gets hey, someone it. Yeah. I just all I know trailer. Hang on. Have you stepped back from the mic? Sorry. There you are. Okay. Sorry about that. Stepped on because nobody can hear you. Okay. Yeah, all I've all I've seen gonna... is the trailer for that. It does amuse me that he did a bracket for everybody's lousy stories. <laughs> the thing that amuses really me funny. about that, you see you say it's called Go On. Well, it's called it's Go the... On. It's with uh Matthew Perry. Yeah, they had to change the logo right. because everybody was calling it Goon. <laughs> uh, well, precisely. Um, I, I have to assume that Anne, I don't know if the rest of you, knows about the Goon Show here in, in the UK, the old radio show with Spy Milligan and Peter Sellers and, and Harry Seacombe, and that is, was a predecessor to Monty Python. And it was famously referred to as the Go On Show by some very old BBC mm-hmm. um, executive or something, and they just didn't understand yeah, so, it at so the time. Now it's, now, now it's uh, come back in the other iteration yeah, yes. gotta gotta love historical irony. Oh yeah, and we oh, yeah. do and, tend to import British, you know, jokes and things here in the U.S. Yeah, I I tend to, I would be intrigued to find out what your average American thinks of it because it, it makes Monty Python look really really sane. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I think loads of them were available on on the internet on on archive. So if you go and look for the Goon Show, the, the, it is just. Yeah, have to, uh, have to check that go out. Google that out there in listener land. I, I, I don't know. Some of them, to modern sensibilities, some of them might be a bit interesting because what they, they tended to do is in the middle, they would have uh, a live music. They would have a, a band. And uh, one of the musicians they would have was, I think it was Ray Ellington, was a black guy. And they would make, their, he and they would make very pointed references to the fact that they had this black musician. I think he played harmonica or something taking part in this show and uh, modern people might listen to this and think what are they saying and he would actually he would originate most of the, the references and the, the comments and the the mad goons would just feed into it and it would all just get really really weird and like the main announcer was actually a regular bbc announcer so you'd have this voice that you normally heard like reading the news or announcing programs he would suddenly be announcing this complete anarchy and it was yeah it was bizarre Mm-hmm. Sounds like, and we're sounds way like, off course it sounds again. like a uh, friend of our family's who is uh, who has decided that uh, because he is uh, Italian, this gives him full reign to tell as many stupid Italian jokes as he wants to. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, I mean, they're they're the they're the really goofy kind that people don't generally really get offended about anymore. But occasionally he starts getting really tasteless. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. we're way off course. Mooney, do you have questions? Anything that you had thought of? I Honestly, just... none that I can think of at the top of my head. If I had any, we probably babbled about them in the podcast. Okay, I, the reason I asked was um, okay. just because I know that you keep dropping and I wanted to make sure that if we couldn't get you back, you had a chance to ask your questions. So, uh, not that I'm not going to But I do think I'm back. losing my head. I hear this high-pitched beeping. <laughs> ah, I don't hear that now. Every once in a while I get a funky hum, but I'm not hearing anything at the moment. So, I think it's outside. Uh, maybe my I'm hoping it's outside. Is it on topic to ask Anne about her original fiction, which has has been mentioned and which I've got in in, in my hand right now? Uh, yeah, it's one of um, my questions for this podcast. So if you guys want to start it now, go ahead. All right. 
Well, I, mostly I want to say how much I really, really enjoy it and, and uh, to check how progress is going on, on the sequel, which all of us are, are waiting. And I, I would be interested to know how the concept for it came up. And do you want to talk well, a little I, bit I, about you? The, the listeners that might not know what your original fiction is. Oh, sorry. It is A, a Widow in Waiting by Anne B. Walsh, with a rather nice fan on the cover. And it's volume one of the Chronicles of Glenn's Car. Um, yeah, Phil, Phil, Phil historical fiction. Planned, to, yes. Do oh, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's historical fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Anne. Sorry, I missed that. Okay. It's fine. It, yes, uh, A Widow in Waiting is a historical fantasy. That's why I was looking up Moon Phases for 1786, because that's when the story opens. <laughs> and uh, it actually, I, I guess I, I don't move far from my type. It began as almost another fan fiction um, adventure, because it grew out of a, uh, a musical PBS special and DVD by the musical group Celtic mm. Thunder. The, the DVD and special is called Storm. And it's it's a departure for Celtic Thunder. They're usually a, a concert group. They just they perform both uh, covers and originals, and they're they're very they're very good singers. But usually they don't do any kind of storyline. And in Storm, they strung a bunch of songs together to tell some somewhat vague but interesting stories. Sort of some real interwoven love stories. And uh, a few little bits of outside um, interest. They built it up to a climax. They had a fight about to start, and they ended it. And my roommate and I sat there and looked at the television and looked at each other and went, wait, that's it? Because here's the thing. Celtic Thunder recorded this show in 2009 (laughs) and then sat on it for two years until September Mm -hmm. 2011. So we all knew that this existed, and we all knew that it was... Like a like a musical theater thing. Well, if you were a crazy fan like me, you did. You you knew at oh, least yeah. that that it existed. You had mm-hmm. one shot of the gentlemen of Celtic Thunder in their costumes for it, and it, it was known as a musical theater extravaganza. But they released a couple of other things before they released Storm. So when it finally came out. All the crazy Thunderhead fans had been, you know, waiting for it for two years. Mm-hmm. And it hit me at a really sort of good point because, as was mentioned a couple times on the podcast, I had left my full time employment. I was a full time writer and I was sort of noodling around in a few worlds that I had going, but nothing had really got hold of me the way that, mm-hmm. say, the Dangerverse or Be Careful got hold of me <laughs> when I was starting them out. <laughs> This got hold of me really strongly. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I started badly, mm-hmm. which is another sort of pattern of mine. I, I always seem to start on the wrong track the first time out. I got a little ways in, and then I showed it to my mother. My mother had Uh-oh. some very valid criticisms. Then she finished up by telling me that she thought this world was worthless and I should abandon it immediately. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Those, those, those were pretty much her exact words. This, as my father says, got my Irish up. I was very angry. I decided that I was going to write something that was so good that my mother would have to like it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So I sort of found a new starting point and 
took off. It, it just, once I had found the right moment to hook into the story, it all sort of just spilled from there. Mm-hmm. I, I was able to delineate these characters to get to know them, to bring them out and show all these interconnections because it, it is, I'm sure this will surprise anyone who has read my fan fiction, A Widow in Waiting and the sequels that will be written are multifaceted. They have a large cast of characters, all of whom are interrelated in many complicated ways. No. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> yes, I, I, I oh, paused sorry, for the Roger. expressions of shock. So, sorry, Roger just attempted to do, really uh, just... jump on my lap and, and I didn't notice and knocked him in the head. Uh-oh. Hello, cat. So, yes, the, the story really just He's sort right. of came in, sat down in my head and said, you will now write me down. And uh, I remember that I had the rough draft done. I now by my conversation mm. with my mother took place in early October 2011. I had the rough draft of A Widow in Waiting, which is about 175,000 words, finished by the end of the year. Wow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, try, that, that's not normally yeah. for me. I was going to say, so if we want you to to write more, we just need to uh, criticize and make you get your Irish up, and then we'll get you going. Yes, appa- apparently, yes, apparently the, the secret is to piss me off. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, please, please don't but try this. Does it only work for your mother, uh, try, Occasionally uh, attempting reverse psychology on me backfires, <laughs> so. Oh, stop it. I do not bite, usually. Yes, she does. Okay. Does she bite hard is the question. It depends. I didn't ask what I wore. What? <laughs> I'm not responsible for this. Right. No, of course not. not You're res- younger. You can't be responsible for it. I'm more precious. You are not more precious. You have the world's worst. Yes, it does. Yes, but you are you are the one who okay. stays for an hour every single night for three years. Sorry. <laughs> you can be as precious as you like right. if you, you want to hide hide under a mountain for a hundred years. There you go. Your question did, answered, Bill. Did you say everything you wanted about the original story? What, uh, I was kind of hoping to hear if there's any progress on the sequel. No pressure, obviously. Okay, there. there's a few words down, and I'm starting to uh, do the mental construction, because the way I write is I usually have most of the story planned in my head before the words start to go on the paper or the screen, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's starting to build within my head. I'm having those moments when you're, you're doing something else and suddenly you look up and say, oh, that's how that goes. When, you know, something that was <laughs> perplexing you or bugging you suddenly just goes, it, it, it turns 45 degrees, locks into place and you go, oh, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So are these are these more planned than than be careful. I mean, I I know they're more planned than the original Dangerverse because you've told us so often how how different your plan originally was. So these are more planned than be careful. Oh yeah, yes they are. But um, that that's not to say that if something comes up sort of in midstream, uh, I'll go I'll go and explore it. And if it's if it's a fruitful avenue to follow, I will change my plan if possible, if I can do that without affecting what I have planned for down the road. Because, uh, you know, right now, as I sit here, I have book one, it's done, it's published. I know the things that I, I sort of planted in book one that will fan out to books two through four, which is something that has always bothered me as a reader, is when authors write the, a book 
and clearly have no idea that they could ever write a sequel to it because they've put things into it. They've set up their world in a way that would make it really awkward for a sequel. And then they sort of have to retcon and say, oh, no, I didn't really mean that. And, oh, wait, no, that's actually a very strange arrangement. This is more usual and on and on and on, trying to fix things that if they had taken a few minutes before they published this first book and sat down and said, hmm, let me think, it's possible I'd want to write a sequel to this someday. How would I go about making this world more friendly to that? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So I've, I've tried to, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm not, you know, totally broadcasting that this is the first in a series not leaving it feeling unfinished of itself, but that there mm-hmm. are sort of clear feelers ahead, you know, pointing towards, oh, this is where the other books can go. This is what they'll explain that wasn't explained as much was left a little more open in the first book. Mm-hmm. And often I actually it's find, having- you know, in a world that's working really well for me, I will find that I have mm-hmm. inadvertently foreshadowed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, really. I will. I will be writing along. Yes. Yeah, I will be writing along in chapter twenty, and suddenly look down, and suddenly flip back to chapter five, and go, "Wait, I didn't think of this when I put that in chapter five, but suddenly now it clicks together." Yeah. Yeah, because so, we all know that foreshadowing is a strength of yours, as I believe I mentioned at one point in my episode. Yes. I believe you did. Can someone remind me of this? I'm sort of halfway recognizing what's being talked about, but my brain is sort of grinding gears. I don't remember. Uh, oh, oh, go ahead, Phil. It, it was some someone said, "Oh, there's there's foreshadowing here," and, and I said something along the lines of, "Well, of course, it's going to be foreshadowing, and it's an Anne Wolf story." Mm-hmm. And I think, like, yes, later on, uh, oh, Draco yeah, Draco said something it. drastically unwise, and I'm like, "No, you you do not say something like that in an Anne Wolf story because it will come back to bite you." <laughs> and yeah, it did. Yes, uh, people people saying, "How much worse can it get?" And could anything else go wrong? And similar sorts yeah. of things are strongly discouraged good idea. because even in the real world, you you don't say that you're tempting fate. Right. No. Oh yeah. That will always come back to you. Because mm-hmm. if you hadn't actually said it, when something went wrong later on, no one would think, well, you didn't actually say back then it'll, it'll be okay. But whereas if you come out and actually say, oh, it'll be fine. Then when it falls over, you're the one who put the, put the mockers on it. Mm-hmm. So, do we want to talk at all uh, about original fiction, or are we back on Be Careful? Anyone else have any more questions? About original fiction or about Be Careful? About the original fiction. I do not know. Tony is just, uh, she, okay. she's salivating to tell you one thing, which is that, uh, yes, you were, which is that she has a uh, she has a character based partly on her in the original fic. Stop that. And uh, she's excited for book four because that's her character's story. So, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. nice. So, this is Tony you're talking about? Yes. Speaking of original right, characters so, um, based on real people, uh, yes. how did you come up with Dragon Charlie? And I want to know what he's going to grow oh, up yeah. to be. <laughs> well, most of the younger members of the, the big families in Be Careful are named after ex- members of my extended family. So cousins, aunts and uncles and such. And I realized as I was writing that, you know, we we have a little Charlie, but we also have Charlie Weasley. So it, you know, and would would not a little boy think that a dragon wrangler is just the coolest thing in the world? Mm -hmm. 
Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. yeah. most most five-year-olds I've been around have a real great uh, love for declaring themselves lions or bears or whatever, or dinosaurs or whatever hey, large creature is, yeah, is, is interesting today. So, Bruce, get off there. Sorry, the dog has come in. But uh, my, my thought was that this little boy would, of course, decide that it was the coolest thing in the world to be a dragon. And therefore, and therefore, he became Dragon mm-hmm. Charlie. I have to say it was genius. <laughs> we all loved him. And uh, he's, he's also, <laughs> he's, so he's, got, he's got some basis in uh, my youngest brother, who is now 14. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's uh, 14. Uh, I know, that, I know you don't want him to be. That reminded me, that's reminded me of the other thing that I wanted to ask about, be careful. Um, because you have given us a couple of, of sequel-ish stories. You gave us the Yule Bull which was just hysterical. And you gave us, uh, I can't remember the, the name of the, the short, the a day in the life, after the end. After the end. You, which I know you is strongly the only you ever come yeah. on so. You strongly imply that there is more to come. Um, is that germinating at the back of your mind? <laughs> Have you got... You still have plans is, to tell us what on earth whether going or not on? it ever comes out to play is another matter. I mean, I know mm-hmm. approximately how it would go, and um, I, I do have to say that uh, you, you may have noticed in after the end, I was very careful not to tell you if uh, Snape and Ceci and if Draco and Luna have had boys, girls, mix of both. I mean, you know they have children. You know about how old the children are and a little of what they look like. You don't know which kid's a boy, which kid's Mm -hmm. a girl. I was a little sneaky about that. The reason for that is that if and when I get around to writing What You Wish For, which is the current working title of the Be Careful sequel, there will be a, like, one or two really great, wait, what kind of moments where people catch sight of people who cannot, should not um, possibly exist. And in at least one case, it will severely mess with somebody's head. Yay! You mean mean other other than us reading it, you mean? Well, yes, other than you. A, A character within the story, we're going to have someone be attracted to someone else only to find out that the someone else, A, is far too close a relative for that, and B, shouldn't exist. What is this, Shakespeare? <laughs> Pretty much. So you, you've got to write it now. I mean, so you cannot give us that and then go, I'll think about it. Um, maybe. I've also, I've also just... got um, nicknames lined up for all the kids so that you only find out their real names in uh, very slow driblets because I have a truly horrible thing that Draco and Luna have done to their children, which I won't, uh, I'll, oh, only, no. I'll leave that to found out okay. no they haven't they haven't okay. given them pure blood names they've done something oh. else that's rather un- slightly evil but um what what snape and sassy have named their child is also amusing you will you will not theoretically find that out until the very last chapter wow i'm kind of okay. scared and then, yes oh yes it's not do not write a story i will swim of... to pittsburgh and make you you might want to come up to gulf mexico because uh, then you can take the mississippi up to the ohio and uh just hop out at point state yeah, park I will, 
I will stand dripping under your window and sing satirical ballads at you. <laughs> and you like the story. If this happens oh, again, I want like photographic evidence. Here, here. And the, the, Chris, the, Chris the is in the hallway is, telling you that she will point out the correct window for you. Yeah, there's a cat in the window. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah, the, the thing is, I, I can sing, but I can't improvise the words. So you've been warned. The, it will, there'll be no sense at all, but it'll be very musical. Okay. And uh, while while we're on the subject of long delayed stories, yes, I swear I'm eventually finishing that Harry Potter Narnia crossover. I really Yay. am. I just like Yay. been five years delayed. I'm really sorry about that. That's I do know how it ends, and as usual, it has evil twists. But I do know how it ends, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It has what I think is. I, I'm, I'm not sure if it's completely unique because fandom is so large by now that probably anything's been done, but it's certainly a punishment yeah, for Voldemort yeah. that I've never seen before. Ooh, cool. That was he does not get eaten by a Rottweiler. Stop it. So, so I brought this up at, uh, in, in the last podcast that the listeners have listened to, but you clearly have not listened to that last podcast. So we I'm, talked a little I'm bit sorry, about I've been how very busy. I only got to about three. Don't, worry about it. I'm just kind of going to explain my original point and ask my question then. We kind of talked about how Harry never really got to know his family, even though Draco gets to know his family, and and how horrible of a fate is that kind of, because the person that you grew up being your enemy gets to know your family, and you don't. So is there any Mm -hmm. chance of there being a gap in the space between the universes where Harry can either dream the other universe or spend a day in a life in that other universe to be able to meet his parents and his his pseudo-siblings and his pseudo-self. It is possible, but I can't help feeling that it would be very odd because I feel like Harry has kind of, he's found his normal as much as he can. He's found mm-hmm. a fairly good place to be, which is helped by the fact that he hasn't, in this particular universe, lost every link back to his parents. Remus is still alive, so I, I feel true. like he's kind of he's kind of found this way that his life works, and he doesn't want to joggle it too much. He may, as the years go on, start to you know do some exploratory stuff, just occasionally go and look and see. But he would have to be well settled and in a good place emotionally before I think he would want to start doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So I, I guess that's a qualified maybe. <laughs> yeah. I can see a 45-year-old Harry Potter a going lot of, into my lot of my <laughs> Well, maybe, maybe, you know, he would, uh, he, he would like slip, slip over kind of quietly. I will tell you that um, part of uh, what you wish for does involve the possibility that Draco would return to his universe of origin and look Mm -hmm. different enough at age approximately 40 that it would take almost everyone a good bit of time to recognize him. I think Mm -hmm. Hermione would probably be the quickest. Mm-hmm. And this right. is because in my in my conception of this world, Draco has chosen a fairly uh, drastic method to deal with male pattern baldness. <laughs> uh, I'm a little nervous. That's my nervous laugh. <laughs> not not that drastic. I okay. imagine him also for uh, ease of use because he is in the theater as a profession. I imagine that he has shaved his head. Oh, yeah, not that drastic. 
Okay. <laughs> that's, that's quite drastic. That's drastic. I can enough. assure you, as a 40, as as a forty-something male, that's quite drastic. Well, yes, but I, I have this. I have this image of Hermione coming across the atrium of the Ministry, talking with one of her colleagues, and suddenly there's this moment of there. She she sees this stillness across the atrium, and she she it draws her eye, and she sees this man about her own age. His features are familiar. She can't quite place him. He has a, she has a shaved head. He's wearing, I think, open robes over like a dark green turtleneck and jeans. He's just leaning on the wall and looking at her. And it takes her about slow count of three. And then she, she tells her colleague, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. I have to go. I see uh, like a family member I haven't seen in a long time. And she edges through well, the hey. crowd in the atrium and sort of walks up to him and looks at him and greets him by name. And I can kind of see her with her head kind of cocked to the side as she studies him for just a second (laughs) before she greets him. Yeah. And no nasty memories of a quirrell. Nobody else got it. (laughs) Well, she is his sister. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I I, I think that she would have that little bit of edge because her her wand hand would probably respond to his presence in some way because it was his first. Mm-hmm. So, and I was I was amused that in my that head, kind of in me out, but... Harry Harry and Ron just completely blanked out the fact that Hermione's hand just reappeared. I didn't plan that. I planned that they would notice it <laughs> and be like, "What the heck? What happened?" And as I was writing, they resolutely refused to see it. So I was just like, okay, they never noticed. Just, just, just like, oh, it came back. Hooray, let's go on. Because <laughs> you mentioned the team. You have to understand, my characters can be strangely obstreperous. They will, they, they do sit in my head and comment on my life. So mm-hmm. it, hey, considering that it took Ron four years to figure out that Hermione was a girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ron's not the most aware. It took them quite a few months to notice the teeth, which you mentioned. Uh, I can't remember who who noticed it. No, Harry was the only one who mentioned the teeth. Noticed the teeth. Mm -hmm. Ron never, I don't think Ron even ever noticed that Hermione had buck teeth. (laughs) Yeah, he's cute. Well, he he noticed but, her as a friend. Uh, that that was definitely one of my uh, one of my sort of uh, turning points as I was writing the Dangerverse. I definitely wanted to write a slightly more self aware and aware of his world. Ron, I'm a little alarmed at the turn it took in uh, later facing danger. That was actually a fairly late date um, addition. Was what happened to Ron in that story, but. Uh, mm. It uh, it seems to have had the desired effect. I, I'm a little worried about the portions of my brain that came up with it, but what are you going to do? <laughs> I don't know. On the other hand, it could come in handy later Chris, Chris on. And Tony are both laughing at me. Oh, definitely. Especially mm-hmm. the, the way that I ended up yeah. having them deal with it. But uh, I, I had ser- seriously, I had originally intended him to get away from that particular mission intact and fine. And uh, only as I was getting ready to write it, did it sort of come crashing in on me that, hey, this mm-hmm. should happen instead. Mm-hmm. So, so what's interesting to me is that that particular result shows up in He Nearly Killed the Cat, but your earlier one, That Which Doesn't Kill Us, mm-hmm. was also set after the after the end of the DV sequence. But, mm-hmm. so it, and it, it too, didn't have that because... Yeah, because obviously at that point you hadn't done the evil deeds to, to Ron that you did, exactly. uh, uh, that we're talking about. 
which for some interesting reason we're avoiding spoiling people on. But uh, oh, there goes Roger. Oh yes. Um, yeah. Quickly on the subject of heirs of the founders, all is not as it seems. And if you check back to the original podcast on Living with Danger and then go back and listen to some of the really wild stuff that you guys are throwing around, I will tell you right now, both the original podcast and you guys with this this series have in like one of your most ridiculous wild hair notions hit the spot. <laughs> one one prediction and probably the one you would you were seriously just joking about out of each set yeah, like Ron is will be correct. It's not but it's not Ron. I was totally thinking we were like So oh, Adam's real like, name is Bob then. Adam's real name is indeed Bob. I'm sorry. I'm very No 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 one's real name is Bob. <laughs> Go away. I meant I are meant we not to be careful but for the concept sorry. of Ron. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm very, so but are we let's, supposed let's to try be and careful and back. sequel what you wish for? Are we have we gone on to things that I have not read? Say that I mean, again. We may we may have veered into main danger verse uh, briefly. Okay, you something you have to understand. I haven't read Danger Verse in about four years because I was in college. I can very much understand that. I started writing it in college and very nearly flunked my senior comp because of it. But <laughs> so, so well, you it's know, really very I'm... simple. That you just need to get down and read it. I can't do it. So, do you know how mm-hmm. much like work I have in a day? <laughs> yeah, I, I apologize no. for veering into uh, into mainline okay. universe. No, I was just pull, pull so, back to be careful real quick here. Somewhere along, we took a left turn. I was just going. I have no idea what's going on. Did I zone out while I was watching the football game? And now we're you know talking about something I should know about. <laughs> I will. I will say that the heirs in Be Careful are. Obviously, since Remus and company are heirs of Slytherin, it doesn't exactly uh, bleed over to main verse. Mm-hmm. I have a question that will bring us back. How hard yes. was it to come up with all the Be Careful chapter titles? Um, in some cases, more difficult than others. You, you'd mentioned that some of them flow better than others. I'm well aware of this. Some <laughs> of them I'm kind of sitting there at 3 a.m. because my muse apparently only wakes up at midnight. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting mm-hmm. at my computer at 3 a.m. going, I need a title. I need a title. What the hell? Slap together a few words and stick it up there. Okay. Mm-hmm. But they, other, mean- times it, other times it grew very naturally out of the chapter's contents. Yeah, because I was going to say, all of the titles work. It's just that sometimes they flow a little bit better with the, the chapter's content. Yeah, some I, some were, all, all, all chapter titles are equal. Some chapter titles are more equal than others. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I don't think I, that's ever a way that George Orwell decided to use Animal Farm. If you haven't realized by now that I like to use things outside their original context, you've clearly not been reading <laughs> the same stories. Granted. I had a coworker yesterday that was wearing a t-shirt, had a box on it, and inside it, the box sort of had eyes peeping out of it. And it said, it's really hard to think outside what? the box when oh, you on a shirt. Okay, okay. let me out of it, or something like that. And I thought it was really cute. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, wanted Schrodinger's cat, dead and alive. Yes. Right. Or the um, which is the more common one, which is uh, Schrodinger's cat is dead on the front, and on the back it says Schrodinger's cat is alive. There you go. Mm-hmm. You already... That's actually knowing the name of Schrodinger won me a uh, silver medal at a uh, trivia tournament once, but that's a completely different story. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yes, I do have a very exciting piece of personal news relating to trivia contests. 
I took the Jeopardy mm-hmm. online test in the spring of this That's year, right. and I have just heard that I'm I've been called to the in person auditions in December. Yay! Cool! Yay. Yay! Congratulations! So yeah, this is this is not of course a guarantee, or... but it's no. one step closer. Yes. Sorry. Well, he asked if so. Yeah. If if I TV. get. Yes, that's on. That's on TV. It's uh, generally on about uh, seven seven thirty at night. That late? So your your yes. audition will be on on TV. I mean, no, they they run reruns <laughs> around two or three, and that was. I grew up actually. My mom would play Jeopardy on the TV while we were napping. So. So that's how you. So I've never seen smart. it. I don't even know how you can get to see it here in the UK. Google it. What? I said that's how you got. So oh, I know smart. what it is, but I've never never seen it. <laughs> no, but I'm so saying... I have a cat sitting oh, next to me. Disaster. We're, we're all over the place. Desperate. Mm-hmm. Phil, you should be able to yeah, it and see it, is what I'm Probably. saying. Probably. Well, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, or would the Jeopardy people put I it up? I think Sony may occasionally uh, broadcast it on their from their website, but I'm not positive on that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Sony website's a dead loss for us here in the UK. I regularly I own lots of these okay. these firms, you, you go to their, their website and, and they say, you, you can't watch it because you're in the UK, it's just in Australia and, and Canada often is, is not as well. Yeah. If you pull my mains cable out, I will That's throw you out in the rain. And you've already sort of answered Such violence. I'm sure we'll figure something out. My questions. I'm just going to plow over top of all of you. You started to say that you write, you type into the computer, but you also spoke a bit about writing it. Do you mainly write it straight into the computer or do you write it out longhand and then type it into the computer? I can absolutely not keep up with my thoughts writing longhand, plus my handwriting is terrible. I am the daughter of a left-handed doctor, and although I am right-handed and I am not a doctor, my handwriting still stinks. Luna's, uh, somewhere in the Dangerverse, Luna talks about little creatures called lucimpeds. This uh, grew out of the fact that my father tried to write cucumbers on the shopping list, and it did not look like cucumbers at all. (laughs) So, Are they the telepathic things that eat gnomes? Yes, exactly. And they, they have yeah. long, like, tubular bodies, which is because they started as cucumbers. <laughs> but yes, my mother is looking at the shopping list going, John, what are lucent heads? <laughs> <laughs> yes, so <laughs> my handwriting uh... is very bad. Anyone who has an autographed book has probably had to kind of squint sideways to make out some of the words. I no, actually don't type very much anymore. I am wearing the same headset right now that I use with my uh, Dragon Naturally Speaking software to do most of my writing via dictation. Wow, that's cool. I do love Dragon. They have they have great mm-hmm. uh, speaking technology, much better than Siri. So now um, cool. it does have the occasional quirk. I don't think I'll ever if be able you to are that. if you are doing any sort of possessive word, it helps to say the word and then apostrophe s because otherwise that the the apostrophe s will often get yeah. lost in the shuffle. It can't. It, it its context checker is not very good, especially with the words two and four. And right. I can't upgrade my Open Office because uh, Dragon will not work naturally with the newest version of Open Office. Really? It 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 treats it as a hostile environment. So oh. I will dictate part of a sentence and pause, and then go back to dictating it in the Open Office that I've currently got loaded. Dragon recognizes that I'm dictating a new word and puts a space. In the new open office, it won't put a space. It won't 
do proper quotes. It won't capitalize the beginning of a sentence properly. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a very oh, apparently hostile environment to the dictation software. So I'm using an older version of OpenOffice to uh, do most of my writing at the moment. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm just too cheap to buy another copy of Word, but. And it's not <laughs> like they that. come cheap. No. no. Mm-hmm. And do you need anything special around you when you're writing? Do you need special um, snacks? Do you have a dictionary that you have to have? Do you, or do you just kind of dictionary? What about music? What's, People what's talk that? about um, musical influence. <laughs> if I have if I have music on, I tend to listen to the music. I, I try to pay. I, I find myself paying attention to the music and not to the story. Often, if I'm working mm-hmm. on a chapter where a particular song is part of it or inspired by it, I will listen to the song first or pause from the writing and listen to the song. But if I have music going, it pulls my attention away from the writing. As for snacks, mm-hmm. I drink a lot of tea. Yes, and I and I eat pretzels. This is the source of in He Nearly Killed the Cat, the inappropriate response to pretzels. Yeah, yeah something to look forward to. It's also because of uh the, the little quirks of that particular universe, but uh, that that was the that was the original source of the one character running in and having a completely inappropriate reaction to I remember that. Although, to be fair, that, that character is um is an avatar of someone I know, so which I, I will which I will do, but again, like references, if it's obtrusive, it's done wrong. Mm-hmm. If if it's mm-hmm. you know, oh look, I've put my friend in the story, then you're turning people off. It's the same as if you were being overtly preachy. To me, mm-hmm. a story must always start and end with being a good story. It must be mm-hmm. internally cohesive. It must be interesting and engaging. Or no matter what else you're trying to do with it, if you can't keep your readers till the end, everything else is no good. Right. Because no matter what important <laughs> message yeah. you have to deliver, you can't deliver it if they're not reading it. It's very true. Yeah. So what you're saying is that, um, well, if you're going to talk to your characters, is there almost always a way out? Because I know, I know I don't like reading stories where people are just put through endless torture and, and there's no conceivable way out of it. There's a couple of stories that I've just not read, um, not finished. There's certainly some stories I wouldn't want to go back to because of, of that, which, um, yeah, what, what I'm saying is you, you always aim for to have a rescue arrive. Life's bad enough. Why do I need to add to the badness by writing it into stories? There, There's a place for angst. There's a place for conflict and bad things to happen. But I find it unrealistic that human beings would not try to better themselves. And short of a really crazy dystopia, there are very few situations where a human being can do nothing to better him or herself to make his or her life better. So I find Mm -hmm. it more plausible in general that a rescue will arrive or be come up with that something will get better because normal people don't sit down and say, let me see how miserable I can be today. Just shivers. Normal people work to make (laughs) their lives better, to make their children's (laughs) lives better. I live in a country designed around this fact. Yes. I can't mm-hmm. say anything at this point. Yeah. No, no, me neither. There's a place there's a place for oh, I'm not commenting at and all. And I will and do use it, but <laughs> I, I know I know that some people prefer their wall to wall onks, 
but you know, there's plenty of places to get that. You don't need me. <laughs> okay. See, the background noise you maybe is Tony attempting to drink a glass of water with Bruce trying to help her. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's very cute. No, it's it, wearing. <laughs> she, she's not. The bottom of the glass is rather slimy, though. <laughs> no, oh, you gotta eat my speakers. Go away. I I have to say that hearing about Anne's dog makes me miss the like utter dumbness of of the animal of canine. <laughs> Scott is here, and I'm afraid that if we add him. We're going to really have a leg. Do we want to try that? And then either Mooney or Phil can bow out if it gets really bad. Or do one of you want to bow out now? What do we want to do? I can bow out now and I give Scott a chance. Okay, so Mooney, you want to, do you want to say anything before you go? Not particularly. I've got, you know, all of my stuff was said on the podcast, of which Anne has still not listened to all. It. It's probably going to be a bunch of things that she'll probably come back and go, oh, yeah, I need to tell you guys about that. <laughs> She can always send up a voicemail. Can you remember anything in particular? Oh, goodness. I, at this point, probably couldn't spell my name right now. Okay. (laughs) S-E-L-E-N-A. Yay! At least somebody knows how. You need to not give me lead-ins like that. I I should know better. Yes, you should. So, okay, well, thank you for stepping in at the last minute. I think I gave you five minutes notice this afternoon. Less than that. And uh, we appreciate you, and we really appreciate you stepping in yeah. and being in almost all the episodes. That 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 took a while, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, hope Scott's movie went well, and I'll talk to y'all shortly. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Uh, like fun. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I will not. Bye, man. I will not stab the internet. I will not stab the internet. Don't stab the internet. Stabbing the internet is bad. Attempting to attack Scott. Hello, Scott. Hi, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! It's a a Skype icon with a mustache. Of course it is. And and how many headsets are you wearing? Only one, but I'm not actually using that mic. Okay. I apologize for the strange voice also coming over my microphone. That's my sister, Tony. She's sitting next to me and being a pest. I'm being adorable. Oh, well, siblings do that sometimes. <laughs> Both be a pest and be adorable at the same time. There we go. Oh, yeah. Part the feet. We need Not to unlike my cat, Poppy, who is eyeing the back of my laptop with intent. We need to warn Scott that there is a four to five second lag. Okay, good to know. Yeah, that was about six seconds. <laughs> <Driving> that. <laughs> wow. Do we want to do, do test everyone's lag now? Okay. Say hi now. Now. Hi. Hi, hi now. Wow, that was only three seconds. That wasn't too bad. We've been better. You're sequential on this end. Wow, interesting. So, Scott, how was the movie? It was good. Mm -hmm. Even featured some Canadians and more people pretending to be Canadians. That's very true. It did. (laughs) Is that better or worse than people pretending to be British? Um, I don't know. They didn't actually try and change their accents or say A a lot, so it was probably actually pretty good. <laughs> yes, the, the, you, will, you will never hear me try to do an accent. I inherited all my skills in this area from my mother. Every accent she's ever tried to do comes out vaguely Swedish chef. <laughs> well, that's fun, too. Just saying it's not great if you're trying to be a mafioso. Swedish chef mafioso would be terrifying in a whole different kind of way. 
a birthday corn, the best digger, first in the vertigo, and a puppy corn. A first in puppy corn, the shrimpies, shrimpies, and the shrimpies. Oh, the shrimpies, oh, 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 Okay. And Anne, uh, I'm just looking through the, the, PF, the PFW threads on the episodes to see if there's any questions that came up that we didn't answer. But I think most of the arguments have, have already been answered. Stuff like when when did they go back and look at, at uh, the history of Draco interacting with Harry, which I think we and stuff like that. And oh, here's the, the dreaded pencil discussion. I'm trying to. Think of this, if there's any more unanswered questions that we have. Well, and I'm checking the Dangerverse. I, oh. I did post in the Dangerverse that if anybody had questions, they could type them in, and it doesn't look like I've got any hits on it, except for Tim, who likes it. Mm-hmm. So It's been very quiet on the page lately because probably I haven't updated in a few months, okay. which was not my intent, but work kind of got in my way. Work does mm-hmm. that. that happens. Mm. Yes, yes, it does. Well, I was saying I like the idea of the warrior patronus. Various people have done different ways of dealing with dementors. How did you come up with that? I'm going to desperately not ask whether it's going to turn up in DV because that is just a, that. That is, as Robert Jordan used to say, read and find out. I don't know if it will show up in the main danger verse because I'm not sure that my ideas about dementors that worked very well in Be Careful would work in Main Danger Verse. It that is such a sort of a resource intensive plot line and I've already got so much going in Danger Verse that I don't think that will show up. The Warrior Patronus seemed like, you know, the next step of the Patronus concept. It's a defense, as explained in canon, what in my thinking would be the next step to make it more of an offensive weapon. How could you change it from simply shielding you and guarding you to taking the fight to the Dementor and knocking them out? I I would also like to take this opportunity to slightly defend um, Otherworld Snape he was not being quite as crazy as a couple people mentioned he might have been when he sort of sacrificed himself in the uh, in the sequence where uh, he allows himself to be kissed. If the positions of the Dementors had been slightly different, the fallout from Draco destroying the Dementor, which uh, kissed Snape would have driven the other Dementors far enough back that Draco and the kids could have made a run for it. So it was kind of bad positioning rather than mm-hmm. this is a lousy idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. My my only point was, so Phil and I argued long hours on this one, That, but my point when I was bringing that up was I liked this idea because a lot of times in fan fiction you see very easy ideas as far as when people are coming up with ways to beat the enemy, quote-unquote, they will come up with some kind of spell that is, you know, very easy to conjure, and then it's, you know, yay, happy endings, and then that's it. And with the Warrior Patronus, A, an immense sacrifice is required, and B, you know, it's not always going to work out, and and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to beat them. So I really kind of liked how complex and and not necessarily good this this solution was. I, I also like the idea uh, that en- anyone could cast it because you have some stories where it's only like Harry 
can produce a special kind of Patronus that that will that will do this. I've seen golden Patronuses, and, and often as not, uh, are <laughs> the special soul soul powers activate kind of things. So you have Harry and Jimmy holding hands and producing special Patroni. I like the idea that it, it's it is just it's the next logical step, and anyone can do it provided they learn. Mm-hmm. Learn it and have the the emotional and uh, moral sort of fortitude to take this step to recognize that that they are doing this thing it is it is a form of killing even though it's a dementor and that's not a good thing you're still destroying it and that's i don't think anything that should be done lightly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and with the with the point about you know easy answers consider the medium it is fan fiction some of it is what it has been stereotyped to be, sort of little the little fangirls wanting all their happy endings. It doesn't always, and it shouldn't always, remain that. So that's not a free pass for the people who do it. It's simply pointing out that in this medium, sort of just as an occupational hazard, you're going to come across easy answers a lot. I was prone to that myself when I started because I was starting. I was Mm -hmm. much more a novice writer. I really consider the Dangerverse my sort of journeyman level work in the old uh, the old Mm -hmm. classification. I did all my apprenticeship when I, you know, I was learning to put together proper sentences and paragraphs, learning how to begin and end a story, you know, the the old uh, inverted triangle story chart that they show you in English class. All of that is the apprentice level stuff. Then once you're once you're beyond see see the cat, see the cat run, see the not a cat, see the not a cat run. <laughs> you are uh, you you are moving into uh, journeyman work, and as the title suggests, back in the the ancient days when these were uh, classifications of all kinds of skilled workers, journeymen would go out into the world. They would find a master to take them on, and they would begin producing more and more skilled work until at last they produced their masterpiece, the piece of work Mm -hmm. that was so good that the other um, accepted masters of this craft would acknowledge them, would say, yes, you you have also passed your tests. You you are now a master of your craft. Mm -hmm. If you had done things somewhat differently, so you had written the original 10 chapter, Living with Danger, and done the ending as you originally intended it to do, that would have been a perfectly valid story. And if you then thought, well, hang on, I can extend this and gone back and said, right, OK, I will take that ending, put it aside. I can go further with that. That is a, it, equally valid. It, it would have been a it would have been a perfectly reasonable story had you gone with your original plan. The fact that it turns out to be a work of genius because you didn't is it, just sort of good luck for us. <laughs> Do you really think that? I mean, I, I know that most fandoms that is true because most fandoms, fan fiction does not develop to the level that Harry Potter fan fiction has. But I think at this point, you know, 10, 11, 12, you know, however many years we last now, we've gotten to such a point that the bad fan fiction that's out there, we kind of need to have to like stop them and say, you can do better because there's better stuff out there. And I, I, I really, that's that's the point of Puffwa is that we hold up the good fan fictions and say this is complex this is not necessarily easy 
and that's why we cover what we cover. Just but because I'm talking it's about derivative in, in the doesn't time, make it no good. I'm talking about in the time that it was originally produced. At that time, a 10-chapter, slightly fluffy fic, which introduced a whole new angle on it, and then said, okay, well, what's going to happen is it's all going to end well. We would have been really quite happy with that. I and mean, there are still quite nice little fluffy stories that, that, that you get of bits inserted into canon, missing moments and whatever. And they're, they're not invalid just because they're, they're light and fluffy. What I'm trying to say is, is the original concept was not a, an, an invalid concept. The 10 chapter rescue Harry, fix everything up, and then this, it would have turned out okay. That's a perfectly valid concept. So if Anne had done it in a slightly different order, if she had actually published that original ending and then gone back and said, well, actually, no, I, I can take that off and, and extend it, it would have just, it would have been a perfectly valid story to start with. It's just that she then took it and polished it and made it better. I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just saying it's not good. Mm-hmm, I agree. <laughs> yeah, the the concept of wish that's fulfillment fic in general is a good thing though, because that's what gets people into fic most often. The thing that makes you want to write something is say that went wrong, I want to fix it, or that's mm-hmm. a strange way to do things in that episode. I could do it better, or things like that. That's why right. people start writing. Mm-hmm. Well, all of it. In my is case, case, why doesn't really. why doesn't Harry have a family? Let let me give him one. Right, and mm-hmm. and I'm not saying it has to be long. I'm not saying it has to have angst in it. It can be a light, short, fluffy piece. What I'm saying is that with long fic, as long as be careful is. I've seen, I have read a lot of fan fictions, and I've read fan fictions where they have, well, Harry can do this special Patronus, and da 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 I'm immediately turned off. Not because it's bad, but because I've seen a dozen like it. Right. So it's mm-hmm. not, you know, I... I have grown up through fandom. I am no longer in school. I do not have that kind of time that I can just read whatever I want. I've got to be more specific. And fandom has gotten older, so what I'm saying is I like what you write because what you write is original. What you write gets my attention and makes me sit up and say, this is an interesting concept. This isn't what I, this isn't white bread I've seen, that I've seen a thousand times. Mm-hmm. I think what That's I have the... to say to that is thank you. And the the one the one problem is that a lot of times the reason an idea gets done over and over is because it's an interesting idea, but that's kind of the point of being a writer. All stories in one way or another have been done before. You you can describe almost anything as oh it's like x with y. It, you, mm-hmm. you always have comparisons to something that came before. The point is finding just that last little twist on it that will make it fresh again. Right. It's like West Side mm-hmm. Story is Romeo and Juliet set in New York. Right. Which, you know, but with really buy. good music. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Scott, did you have questions for Anne? Um, in particular, no. Um, I probably should have come up with some, but I didn't particularly. I enjoyed the story. I'm glad we um, decided to cover it, even though it is as long as it is. And um, I think it's a really interesting way to approach both an alternate universe and canon at the same time like that. So, yeah. I have to admit, I had a blast going back through Deathly Hallows and sort of skewering three or four of the most weird and unpleasant to me points of the story such as, well, sort of making fun of the fact that they have apparently no plan and they're perfectly okay with this. 
<laughs> Hold on one second, please. <laughs> <laughs> Is Bruce attacking your sister again? Uh, I think somebody's oh, yeah. getting Why? attacked over there. I'm not sure if it was caused by Bruce. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm There's a roommate and his sister standing in my doorway laughing at me. Crystal was sock sliding down the hall. There was crashing and banging. They're both pointing at each other as the uh, as the culprit. No, out. Yeah. <laughs> Along those lines, I, I know I've, I've mentioned it on the forum, but I'd like to, to, to say it directly to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for providing a defense of Ron running away. Uh, so many people use it as a, a way to attack Ron because they basically hate Weasleys, and that is, I, I simply don't understand. But um, it, it's wait, 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 wait. just because people don't like Ron does not mean that they hate Weasleys. That means that they don't like Ron. I actually have um, some thoughts on people who dislike Ron strongly and why that might be and what's going on there. Um, I, I got into it in a different story. I think in He Nearly Killed the Cat. Ron is the epitome of fixing your mistakes. Think think about Hermione is the constant one. She, she always sticks by Harry. Ron has screwed up several times, but he keeps coming back. He keeps acknowledging his mistakes. He keeps starting over. That was what Wormtail and what Snape never did. They never acknowledged that what they did was wrong. If Snape had stopped doing what Lily was yelling at him for, the whole story would have been entirely different. If Wormtail had dared to go to his friends and say to them, I made this terrible mistake, please help me, it would all have turned out very different. Ron is willing, not immediately, but he is willing to and does come back, make amends, show with both his words and his actions that he's still on their side. He wants to make things better. He wants to make up for what he did. And I mean, I'm, I guess I kind of disagree with you, um, respectfully, but it, it, for me, it's more of the fact that Ron is a character who grew up never having to be himself in a way because he always had, he was always a Weasley. He always knew his identity. And so when his identity was questioned with, you know, his friendship with Harry, with, you know, oh, he likes a girl named Hermione in fourth year, just as he's getting older, he doesn't know how to handle that. And he does some pretty hateful things. And I would argue that um, he doesn't necessarily deserve Harry and Hermione's friendship throughout canon because some of the things that he says, especially to Hermione, are just downright awful. As far as his actions in book seven, those are fairly predictable because he left Harry in book four. But the way I always saw the the actions in his actions in book four was that the the, the other Ron values loyalty and he is loyal to Harry and he genuinely believed that Harry had somehow gone around behind his back and got entered into it and. Don't ask me how he got it into his head, but it was the the idea that Harry had somehow violated his trust that made it so awful. I would I would agree that Ron values loyalty, but I would I would argue that Ron is not very loyal in return. Till that Aragog. 
Yeah, I don't care. Book, book, when you're 12 years old, it's completely different. I think I can see that we're just not going to agree on this Yeah, we're not going to agree. Shall we move on? I, I, yeah, I, 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 I have one. And just, just one, I have one final point. If it's, a, if it's a subject of hateful things that people have done and said to friends and been forgiven when maybe they didn't deserve it, I'm as guilty as any other normal human being. I've certainly said some things to people I probably shouldn't have been forgiven for, and I have anyway. And thank God I have nicer friends than I am myself. And I was listening to your first interview with Papa today. And a lot of that interview is about the Dangerverse community and um, the chat rooms that you used to have and all of that. How has your community changed since the first time you were interviewed for Potterfic Weekly? Um, there's some action now on my Facebook page and on the Dangerverse group on Facebook, but the chat room, the Yahoo group, and a lot of the, uh, the community that was there has sort of dwindled, probably because I'm not updating as often as I used to. I'm not as involved as I used to be. I've had other things come up in my life that have sort of pulled my attention away, sadly. I am going to finish the Dangerverse. And I've still maintained my ties with a lot of the people that I've known. But a lot of that has just sort of trailed off, I think, as people find other interests more absorbing as their their lives naturally progress. I think we've all got a lot of friendships that we wouldn't have had otherwise. There's a person sitting in my kitchen that I met through Dangerverse. Oh, my gosh! Oh, I'm sorry. She's not in the kitchen. She's in the hallway with a cat. <laughs> Hi, Crystal. Hi. Hi. You, you, and you're you're hearing the the pitiful cries of Sesame also in the background. She she smells the dog oh. and is wondering if he is coming because she she is firmly of the opinion that we have brought this enormous thing home solely to torment her. I find that very amusing because my cat took one look at our very large dog and smacked her in the face and then from that day on the <laughs> dog has been deathly afraid of the 10 pound cat. So you just can't Yeah, our, our dog cat. just wants to be friends. Mm-hmm. Our, our dog just wants to be friends and says to me, it's like, you are enormous, go away. Yeah. Well, yes, um, she, she's, she's got him on the nose at least once, so... Bonnie and Alex have touched noses quite frequently over the past month, so they are making friends. It's only been two years. You know, it's not too bad. Yeah, Snowy is an old, aging white cat, and Roger is a very young black cat, and Snowy doesn't approve of him at all. So she sits on her chair and she hisses at him every time he goes by, and they sort of box each other every now and again, but... uh, yeah, that, that sounds very the familiar. Thing I was... When I was when I was at home, uh, Antonio's cat would uh, he he was he was very young. His name is Jinx. He's black, half Siamese, and uh, she has just said that he is evil. He would sneak up on my older cat, whose tail would be hanging off a chair, and start attacking it like a string toy. And somehow my fluffy never quite got the point of you know ignore him and he'll go away because he he rose to the bait every time. Tailing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He, he never, in, in he never learned to, the, to do that the, either. In reference to the the um, the chat group, I think a lot of the the reason for the traffic trailing off was because the chat room is no longer available because it lives on the server, which is no longer available. And uh, there is yes. a, a small uh, it, it was small turned group off of by Skype, Josh's but... parents' cleaning lady, I think. Oh, nice. And Josh is in college on the East Coast, and the server is in California. So th- this has uh, naturally sort of caused uh, delays. 
Just a little. Does he never go home? He gets lots of internships, so he, he's not home often at all. So, and I've I've not actually been in contact with him very much. So I'm. I keep thinking I should, and it never gets done. I'm sorry. Don't just, worry about it. I he's just kind was of curious. Morphed into our own thing. I know that there's at least uh, a couple of Skype chats that go on that are uh, kind of like the chat room. So. Yeah, yeah. There's um, there's the um, the regular dangerous chat, and there's I think one person has a room that I know about, and then I have the off-topic um, Doctor Who room. So there are a few out there. And that's got to be fun. Yeah, yeah, there's there's not room, a lot of talking about dangerous the dangerous room, but chat. Mm-hmm. No, there's no talking about dangerous. Well, room. it's probably no, because I do me. horrible things like handing you like I, I hand you like horrible visions. And then go on, like, I, I stretch out my story for six years. I would like to point out, today is, in fact, an anniversary. On this day, eight years ago, I signed up for the username, Why Do You Need to Know, on fanfiction.net. Wow. Yay! There you go. Well, that is yes, it, it has, in fact, been eight years since Living with Danger was begun. That's amazing. Wow. That's impressive. It's far too much of my and life. I'm not finished. I'm I'm quite annoyed that I'm not finished. I wanted to be finished at this point, and it just hasn't happened. Well, I mean, you could argue well, that you to be would fair, be it's not finished eight if you had. I beg your pardon. I said you could argue that you would be finished if you hadn't continued adding stories. Uh, yes, but that that I don't really have as much choice in this matter as people seem to think I do. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of crazy stories that have never gone anywhere. At some other point Shelley. we might discuss Hogwarts in Middle America, which is based around what people drive. Hermione has a smart car. Ron is of the opinion that if he can flip it over with one hand, it's not a car. <laughs> so now, this, this is not a story by, um, I'd ever um, write down. This is a, a story of just silliness of, you know, BSing with friends. But I have tons and tons of stories like that that want that, that that try to get into my head, that try to take time sort of on my mental schedule. Some of them sort of gather the momentum to become stories themselves, and some of them get a lot bigger than anticipated. Be Careful was definitely one of those. And mm-hmm. Is it worth publishing me, some of those if, just if, to see what we think? Possibly, but the thing is, if, sure it, if like it hasn't by itself gathered the momentum to become words on the page, if it's only just the, the silly little idea in my head, then it wouldn't have the momentum to sustain a story. So in that way, the, 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 the stories naturally separate themselves for me. Well, that and the fact that you would actually need a time turner in order to get it all down. Yeah, because really, really would. Or, uh, or to win the lottery and not have to work anymore. Yeah, but I think even then, I think you would run out of time in a day. Because you seem like you have yeah, a lot of Yeah, I really, I really Oh, that's such an understatement. <laughs> I, and the worst, part, the worst part is that once I come up with these characters, they don't go away. They stay mm-hmm. in my head mm-hmm. and make comments on my everyday life. Nice. And speaking of that, <laughs> I had mentioned earlier that I had posted in the Dangerverse area that on Facebook that we were doing an author interview and if anybody had questions and 
shortly after I said there were no questions, one popped up. Um, this is from Crystal, and I'm not sure. Oh, yes, well, that's, yeah, that's, oh, that's the person standing in the hallway <laughs> oh, this is that Crystal. Me. Okay, so I can completely ignore her and it'll yes, be okay. Yes, that Crystal. If you, you notice, if you notice her profile pic, it is the same one I posted to the Facebook page with the dog. Oh, I had noticed. So, yeah, when will the next chapter of anything be posted? Well, that depends <laughs> on how many times I have to do the dishes because you did. <laughs> now that works. You're getting a roommate. I, do have I one apologize question. for that. You, you've, just seen, you've just seen far too much of our internal household politics. I heard Scott have a question, <laughs> and I think Kat was saying something. And go ahead, Kat. So neither one of them is going to go first. <laughs> What the hell is a Hufflepuff? I was just saying, <laughs> Lord, you know, and now we have the roommate wars on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I do have one question I was going to ask earlier when we were talking about the warrior patronus thing, or patronus, however you choose to pronounce it. Um, being a bit of a language geek, I wonder how you came up with the addition to the incantation, one. And secondly, um, if it's no longer a defense but an offensive weapon, should the incantation be more different? It is still a Patronus. It will still work as a defense against Dementors. It's simply sort of one step up. It's it's as if you had a sword and you, you had used it mainly for blocking other people's strikes. The extra word simply sharpens the edge, if you will. So it becomes not just a way to block yeah but also a way to strike back. So I, I see it as still very closely related to the original Patronus. And as for the extra word, I went and found a Latin dictionary, looked up warrior and picked the best word, the the one that sounded best and felt best in, in the incantation. It's always fun to figure out how to do the various spells. I will admit I've had a great deal of fun. I tried to look it up just now, but the only... Um, okay, and first... I was just saying that I have fun writing the longer bits of Latin, like the Animagus spells, because it, it gives my old uh, Latin grammar skills a bit of a workout. Mm. Next, I always like doing that. Like when we had our, like when we had our duel on the Pontifex Weekly Forum, I had fun going through the Latin dictionaries and making up stuff. But um, what I was going to say is, I tried to look up your third word for the warrior incantation, and the only thing I could find just off the first thing in Google is actually um, having to do with finishing service and having earned or merited something rather than anything to do with battle. But I'm sure there are all sorts of different ways to go at various Latin words. So. Don't get me started on new translations. I have issues. <laughs> Okay, we're gonna switch that subject. Okay, we won't. Yeah, sorry. Um, there, it's just it's a current thing in uh, the Catholic Church in the United States. There's been new translations put out, which are very faithful word by word translations of the Latin. They are much more difficult to put to music to remember. To they don't always make the best English grammatical sense, but. Mm-hmm. Them's the this is the problem with online translators and such, too. Very true, which is why I always try to get uh, second opinions on such things before I go ahead with it. That That's how you end up uh, declaring yourself a jelly donut. <laughs> yep. And English is just a very strange language in, as compared to many others in the way they structure things. So they try and why do Why do we drive on a parkway and park on the driveway? Yeah, really. mm-hmm. Why is the word abbreviation mm-hmm. so long? 
<coughs> why do you play at a recital but recite at a play? And why do we walk mm. on a pavement and you drive on one? Yes, but what we would call a sidewalk, you call a pavement, and to us, pavement goes on the road. All sorts of fun things. Yes, uh, divided by a common language, I believe I've heard it called. <laughs> yeah, that's one of them. I know that you commented at the beginning on a couple of things that you had just heard, and so you wanted to to comment on. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to say to us? I know a lot of times authors are throwing things at their computer and screaming and say, that's not what I meant, or, you know, whatever. Uh, I know you haven't listened to all of the podcasts, but something in general, or... Not really. You you really kind of, uh, every time I was going, wait, no, that's not right, you you always kind of, you, you caught yourselves shortly thereafter. You, you were always able to say, oh, no, wait, read that wrong. It's actually this person doing that thing, which I will say put you one step above a uh, reviewer I got of my original novel who took me to task several times through the course of one paragraph for uh, doing something without spoilers, doing something that, yes, would have been fairly reprehensible to have my characters do if, in fact, they had done it, which they didn't. Oh. He had, whoever, whoever this person was, it's it's a matter of uh, someone leaving the village that is the main site of a lot of the action. This person apparently felt that uh, the character had been thrown out of their home when, in fact, it's clearly, repeatedly stated that leaving was the character's own idea. The character had made themselves very unpopular, but there was, in fact, no real pressure. To, like, there, there wasn't any, you know, we hate you, go away. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of, well, if you're, you're going to be nasty, we can't stop you. But the, the character said outright, um, you know, if this yeah. thing happens, I'm leaving. And then this thing happened, and the character left was not thrown out, was not, you know, chased away, left. And, yeah, I got I got taken to task very sternly for throwing this person out of their home and blah, blah, <laughs> blah. And I'm sitting there going, I would have, so I would take all the rest of your criticisms so much more seriously if you'd not just proven to me that you did not, in fact, read this book with any semblance of attention. Right. I apologize for just taking five minutes to riff on that. No, that's cool. It's okay. No, it's it's like um, a guy gave a, a talk at my mum and dad's church some years ago about Harry Potter and and how awful it was. And he started off by saying how how massively qualified he was to, in literary criticism. He had a couple of degrees and, and stuff. And then he sails into actually talking about the books. And the very first quote from the book he gets a word wrong, which completely changes the sense of the quote. Yeah. It's from uh, book one, chapter one, uh, where Mc- is it McGonagall says, someday every child in our world will know his name. And, and this guy was like, <laughs> and, and every, child, every child in the world will know his name. And I was like, I, I was listening to a tape and, and I was just like, if you can't even quote the book correctly, I'm not going to bother listening to it. So I just took the tape out, gave it back to my dad, and said, "You're right. He's an idiot." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm open had... to criticism. I won't say that I don't stomp my feet and wail and yell. And because, as I've said in in a, an interview I did with a blog, 
if being criticized doesn't hurt, that means you have no emotional investment in your story and no one else has any reason to be emotionally invested in your story. So it always does and should hurt, but I'd like to think I've moved beyond the point of simply, you know, closing up and refusing to consider criticism because it hurts. But if you're going to criticize me, at least criticize me correctly. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Well, I kind of get the feeling we're we're winding down. Oh, well. Is that a good feeling or is there more? Sorry, Scott. I was just going to say um, you can't, not all critics necessarily um, do their job well. (laughs) Very true. I'm not trying to shut us down. I'm, I'm just giving people an out if they want it. And, yeah, uh, I, I was going to say, I mean, I, I can, it's 5.30 here, I have to go to dinner, and I've got about 10 other things, including my own fan fiction to write, so. And it's getting close to midnight now, yeah. Phil. Yeah, and I, I can yeah, always and, go and, on talking, but the question is if anyone's going to listen, so. Well, let's. Yes, and uh, pose that's our, that's the cue to say, uh, thank you for listening, and have good, a good night. Good night, everyone. Cool. Good thank night, you for everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone, and thanks for coming on the podcast with us, Anne. It's great to have you back on here. I know I wasn't here very long, but still great to have you. And everyone, if you haven't been reading, be careful. Why are you listening to this? And go read it. And also, go find Widow and Waiting, first book of Anne's original series, Chronicles of Glenscar, because it's great fun as well. Nothing to do with Harry Potter, but still great fun. Buy it. Oh, it's brilliant. Please. Don't get it free. Yeah, it's 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 available currently. I've I've done a giveaway on a website called Library Thing, and if you can't afford it, please do buy a copy. It's five dollars on Amazon, six dollars elsewhere because the the elsewhere copies have some additional back matter. And if you can't find five or six dollars in your budget, you have bigger problems than buying a book. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, does my copy have the original the extra back matter? I'm just wondering. Yes, it does. The published copies have the additional back matter. It's the the stuff called backstory um, fifteen, the the additional story material oh, yeah, yeah. and the annotations. Brilliant. Thanks. Well, thank you. I'm going to duck out now because it's uh, it really is very nice. Good night, Phil. Night, Phil. Bye. Cheers. Thank, thank you, for, you for including me. Night. Thanks night. for being here. Night. So hold on to the one. That those books brought to Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.